Let's Get Two presents... Five, four, three, two, one... Pitch is lifted to right by Cassianos. Long run for Tucker over toward the line and foul territory. Makes the catch and the Houston Astros do it again. 2022 World Series champions. And now, go, go Astros. Astros baseball from three guys who've been there since Art Howe had hair. Good morning, Astros fans. It is Tuesday, not Monday. We are on a slightly different schedule this week, but so are the Astros because they had the off day yesterday. Uh, I'm here with James Christopher. Uh, Andy Tom Chesson is out today with Appalachian Wireless Discomfort, um, which you can interpret whether that means he's too much into the moonshine or too much into a place with suspect technology. But Probably, uh, yes, both of those. You know. We are uh, we are open to uh, to either interpretation. In fact, both could quite work. So um, you know we can we can just go with that. Uh, Jim, you're coming to us from Rhode Island. It's an all East Coast uh, edition of, uh, of Go Astros, the place where you expect people to have the best analysis of the Astros, the Atlantic Seaboard. I did feel um, smarter when I got to Newport. Um, I would like to point out that my hotel today is much less nice than it was last time. Yeah. We went to Newport last year for uh, my wife and I on our vacation, and uh, the first thing I saw when I got to downtown Newport was a Jeremy Pena jersey, so um, I developed a very favorable impression of the people of uh, of Rhode Island. So um, it's, it's very pretty down here, too, or up here, over here. And Newport's a, Newport's a good vacation spot, so uh, we're trying to talk my parents into that for, for different reasons, but... Um, the Astros, of course, had the All-Star break for the first four games and then played the Angels. Um, James, what did your cardiologist tell you about the Angels series? So and or, and or your liquor store, just uh, your liquor store clerk. No, it's funny because we were talking about in our pre pre-show meeting how um I got so stressed out that I was packing for this trip, this week-long trip. So I'm an old man now and I have to put my little medicine in my little daily thing. And I was literally sorting through my uh, antidepressant for depressants when Bregman's home run went over the wall. And I just thought to myself, do I just need to take like a handful of these things just to get through? Um, look, there's going to be a lot of, and we saw it, Brian, a lot of really erratic reaction to game to game with this team. Um, the meltdown on Saturday was, it, it was almost so bad that I don't know how concerning it should be. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm sure you'll dive into that, but um, yeah, game to game, it can get real easy to get caught up. And in fact, is they won a road series. Um, they got off the deck a little bit on the Sunday game. I take that as a positive. The offense scored 27 runs over three games. 
Um, and I think we all believe in the pitching. So to me, um, I, I take winning a a road series against still a good Angels team as they win, and and so therefore that's how I'm gonna how, how I'm taking that moving forward. Yeah, from a from a big picture standpoint, as we told, as we said before, the Astros will win two or three against the Angels. You go, yeah, that's pretty good. I'll take that sweep would be nice, but hey, two or three, you do that all the time. You're gonna you're gonna advance into the uh, into the playoffs. Um, you know, but obviously the nature of how it happened. I'm with you though on the Saturday game, right? So Ryan Presley blows a three-run lead in the bottom of the ninth. Well, that happens every once in a while to even the best closers, and Ryan Presley is among the best closers. He had not allowed a hit in his previous 11 appearances. Not concerned about that. Brian Abreu gave up a three-run home run trying to clean up a mess from Ryan from Ryan Stanek. Yeah, not good, but again, he just got got in the right sort of situation. It's, you know, it's, I saw lots of things about, you know, Dusty should have done this or Dusty should have done that. And I feel a lot of Dusty's choices on Saturday were damned if you do, damned if you don't. You give up a 13 and, run lead. You know, I almost feel like you blame the manager for a one run loss. I don't know yeah. that you blame the manager for blowing. I know it was still one run, but yeah, when you, when you score 12, you expect to win the game. A lot has yeah. to be wrong to not. Yeah. And you have your best pitcher. So it's not, you know, it's not like, yeah, I mean, they should have been able to do that. On the other hand, they were able to, uh, they were able to, again, come back from the 7-3 deficit uh, late uh, on um, on Sunday against the Angels. And that was, um, you know, a, a massive mood shift um, that really sort of, you know, you could almost see palpable with the Bregman home run. Uh, right. Um, this is a disaster. This is terrible. This is too Oh, yeah, this is a really good team. And among the really good team is, you know, Bregman had the home run. The two real stars of the game, though, were Cal Tucker, who had the big insurance, needed to have that home run, and then the catch. And I returned the punch ball to say, I don't think he had a good jump on that. Yeah. What I do think he must have been reading your sub stack and was like, I better make this catch. Otherwise, yes. Brian's got more words for me. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I keep identifying a defensive slump there, and he's coming out of it some here. Uh, but the other hero, the guy who hit two home runs um, and was the American League Player of the Week, which is, you know, not the most august honor. He now joins, like, luminaries like Tyler White. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about Tyler White. Some, uh, some people reminded me of that on uh, Twitter yesterday, so shout out to uh, – uh, shout out to, I think it was Tyler Stafford who did that. So, um, is, uh, Chaz McCormick, hey, James, have you noticed, uh, there's two things I've noticed about Chaz McCormick. One, he's an everyday player and two, the dialogue has not shifted to noting he's an everyday player. He's played, uh, in each of the last seven games and in an 11 of the last 12. I think it's because he's sometimes playing different positions that people get up. They, they somehow think that, uh, first of all, how is that not anything but a positive? Yeah, man can play center and he can play all the corner outfield spots like, yeah, he's playing every day. Um, I know that we used to joke on the show and I think it was accurate when we were joking at the beginning of the season that he would have a game where he'd go off and then he would sit for four days. Well, that's not happening anymore. Um, I do think, you know, look, um, it's so funny because we had a really uh, a fun follower of our show had messaged me about having this topic on the show last week about does Dusty hate Chaz and is Chandler Rome starting some shit by saying that Dusty hates Chaz? 
we don't know what's going on. Chaz might be that kind of guy that that doesn't look good in warmups and doesn't look good in practice and seems to make things happen when the game matters. We all watch the World Series. Um, Chaz is an everyday player. I don't think Chaz is the trade bait, which is I'm sure is now you've seen what Astros Twitter seems to believe is that Dusty's only playing him now so he can trade him to get rid of him. Um, it's like as the orbit turns out there, uh, it, yeah, it just, right. whole, it's just yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, I'm I'm a big Chaz guy. I like seeing him do this, but I think also too, uh, I saw an excellent point brought up by maybe San Antonio Tim, if I remember. That said, you know, the debate right now isn't Yanni or Maldonado. It's Maldonado or Myers yeah. because of the way things are working out. But no, Chaz is an everyday player, man. And um, I think that just because he plays multiple positions does not mean he's not an everyday player. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Dusty's putting a lineup every day. And really, he's choosing between Corey Jokes and Jake Myers. And when he plays Jake Myers, Jake's elite skill is defense. He is one of the handful of best defensive center fielders in the game. Every bit of numbers we have uh, bear that out. Corey Dokes is he's not, you know, he's not a negative defensive player, but gives you more gives you more offense, and he's made a clear improvement. I still have some skepticism if yeah. it's just a hot streak or it's something more permanent. But you know, one of the things I've come to conclusion of, particularly I wrote something last week on Substack about all three of them, is that because you're getting contributions from all three guys. You can really put, you know, at the trade deadline, you know, Dave Brown kept talking about getting a left-handed bat. Yeah, that would be nice and that would be ideal, but they've got other priorities. And Dana Brown's yeah. talked about recognizing that in the rotation. We'll talk about that. They have other priorities and they also have internal fixes for, I mean, at, right now, and look, I know that we've fallen, we've fallen on this show in particular, uh, you know, I think Andy makes fun of me for how excited I get because someone's close to coming back who never comes back. Um, but all signs point to getting Jordan and Altuve back. Well, what two bigger trade deadline additions can you make from that? Because I also don't think we can look at Abreu as a liability anymore. His numbers are still bad, but that was from an abysmal first two to three months of the season. He's played quite well in the last month. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the offense, as despite Jordan going out, the offense has been really good over the last six weeks. Mm -hmm. And that's from Abreu picking it up. That's from Chaz improving. That's from getting, that's from Corey Jokes improving. Um, one more thing I want to say about Chaz here in this context is there has been, and this is predominantly because of the change in general manager and the focus on sort of scouting and rebuilding the farm system that's been a heavy discussion around Dana Brown. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, sort of talk about player development and the need for the farm system. Well, a good argument that they're doing pretty good in player development is Chaz McCormick, who was a 21st, 22nd round draft pick. And yeah, I thought 28th, you're probably right. Yeah. Division two school. And they developed him not into a, you know, he's an excellent corner outfielder and he's pretty good. Uh, he's stretched a little, but he's pretty good in center field. And he has hit all three seasons in the major leagues better than an average player having his best offensive season this year. It's a really good sign of their player development that they were able to take essentially nobody and turn him into a quality major league player. Now, that doesn't mean they don't need to, you know, we can talk about the trade deadline here in a minute. Hey, the fact that others don't think their farm system's that good is a hindrance to their ability to acquire, particularly starting pitching. But 
you know, that they brought Chaz, you know, that they have lots of really good young players um, is, you know, a big reason why they won the World Series last year. It's a big reason why, despite everything that's gone wrong this year, they are in, you know, they're in, they're in playoff position, which, you know, reading comments for the first eight innings of the Angels game on Sunday, I don't think a lot of Astros fans know, but they're actually, uh, I think uh, now two and a half up on the Yankees and yeah, game and a half up on the Reds on the Red Sox are ahead of the Yankees at the moment. I'm and I'm not a sunshine pumper, or I'm not trying to be, but there's even the argument that getting in with that last wild card spot is an easier path to the ALCS, but we'll get to that in October. Cause I'm one that does think winning the division matters. I think baseball, yeah. the, the playoffs of the crab shoot means you got to be rewarded for what you do over 162, and yeah. that's the division. Um yeah. and even if you look just at the playoffs, hey, winning the AOS gets you a bye to the second round and that's one less, you know, one less coin set of coin flips you have to go through. Right. Yeah. And that's um, value I, in and of itself. Every time you bring up the coin flick, I think of that scene in Friday Night Lights when they're trying to decide to get to go to the playoffs and Billy Bob Thornton and whether it's a Buffalo. Anyway, no, you know, it's funny. um, I think a lot of Astros fans get bogged down in the system rankings because they watch the national stories and they're devoted to three sentences to them. Like we've we've seen it happen since the pandemic season where. For some reason, they thought a couple of triple A, I'm sorry, single A pitchers were the right choices to bring up to replace McCullers and Verlander and and this and that. And um, I think we saw this with Pena last year. They are really good at developing players. And what it's got me excited about the future as this sort of window moves on and changes some is having a GM that's really good at the draft to now see what they can do, what they can do with developing arguably better talent um you know I, I think i think if for some reason the astros don't make the playoffs or if there's an early exit there's going to be a lot of damage control in this fan fan base when as i've said over and over and over again you know the giants were the team of the 2010s and they won three world series and i don't think made the playoffs any other year so there's a lot of ways to keep this thing going and I'm excited. I'm still very excited for the future, just based on what they've been able to do with Garcia and Pena and Chaz and all these guys that were really, really overlooked that have become, like you said, above replacement level players. Yeah. I mean, there's bigger questions after 2024 or because a bunch of contracts come due, but Mm -hmm. in the middle of 2023 and then a playoff chase in 2023, I'm just going to mention that. And we will, we got plenty of off season to talk about what we'll do in your after 2024 let's talk about what they should do in 2023 uh the trade deadline is august 1st um when we were kids the trade deadline used to be june 15th and i just find that nuts but anyway i did too it was more fun back then too i don't know it seems in the expanded we could talk about the expanded playoffs make it less fun because yeah it's a whole one of the the expanded playoffs does is puts more teams in the race Adding to that is the fact that both central divisions this year are terrible. I think the Twins are 500 and are leading the American League Central. Mm-hmm. They would be in six in the AL East, but hey, <laughs> no, I'm there. I'm serious. Um, you know, Yankees are in last in the AL East and would be first in the AL Central. Much is life. Um, Dana Brown has was initially talking about needing a left-handed bat. He's moved towards the rotation as the key place to add. I agree with him. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, your thoughts on 
Do they prioritize the rotation and do they need to get multiple guys for the rotation? Yeah. So look, I mean, obviously you're going to have, again, you'll have the best left-handed bat available to you back in a few weeks and you were on Alvarez. So there's your left-handed bat. Um, yeah, look, I, I was, I went from just thinking the Astros needed an innings eater to, and I'm still believing him. And honestly, he had a good start. Like at the end of the day, Javier had a good start. It didn't start. It's a start, you, it's a start you can build on. You know, people exactly. are sort of saying is people are asking the question: Is Javier broken? And I look at that start and go, "No, he's not broken. He's got things he needs to improve and fix." Yeah, that was encouraging compared to the other starts. I can cut you off. Continue. No, no, but you're exactly right. And and I mean, I think he went five. He gave up two or three and mm -hmm. probably could have gone a sixth. I mean, we, we don't know. He, I think his pitch count was a good, but that's we neither here nor there. Yeah. I do think that you have to address that as a concern. And so I do think you need two starting pitchers. And I think you need to, if you can nail as, as much of a frontline guy as you can get, because I do think now you have to start looking at not just a guy to eat and to get you to the playoffs, but maybe a guy that's actually going to pitch in the playoffs. And, um, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know, who, you know, um, there are guys, there are names that I've seen floated that make sense, but it all depends on things like, will the Mets become yeah. drastic sellers and that kind of thing. But I do think, I think either a frontline starter and a high leverage reliever or two starters. Yeah. I mean, one way to think about it is if the playoffs started today, Framber Valdez, Cy Young candidate, would start game one. Starting game two would be probably Javier. Javier or Brown. A version of Javier and then Hunter Brown, which, of course, if you look back at the offseason, right, your anticipation was that Lance McCullers and Luis Garcia would be one of your top four starters. And right now, if you got to start four guys in the playoffs, uh, J.P. France would be one of them. And I greatly appreciate J.P. France's contributions to this team. <laughs> right. Um, he got a victory on Bastille Day, so vive la France, uh, liberty <laughs> quality strikeouts. But uh, J.P. France in a playoff game, I mean, this team did win with Luis Garcia as a rookie in a playoff game, but he only went two innings. They're going to have to do something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing is, hey, they, they just need another guy who can start a playoff game. Yeah. Um, Although I would say too, though, again, to calm people down is it feels like the Astros rotation feels like every other rotation now, like this is everybody's problem. Yeah. So it's not that it's a huge deficit to the Astros. It's just not the strength. All of us on the show thought it would be going into the season. Yeah. And last year we were sitting here going like, we've got some really good, we've got enough starters. We can trade one out for a bullpen arm and, Really, one of our better starters is probably just sitting at AAA, uh, you know, wasting his, you know, yeah, just waiting for his moment. And that, you know, right. This year, yeah, it's how the other half, and really not the other half, but the other 80% of baseball lives, right? Which presents a difficulty at the trade deadline, which is what team needs another starting pitcher? All of them. Yeah. And it makes it harder to get that starting pitcher. The good news for the Astros is that their farm system is better off today than it was a year ago at this point. They have two first-round picks uh, over the last couple of years uh, in their system. Uh, but on a more objective measure, Fangraphs last year had them uh, based on their very formulaic uh, numeric system. I think they had them 26 last year, and they have them 21st today. So that's objectively better, right? Yeah, there we better. go, right? Right. On the other hand, right, 
21st isn't that good. A lot of that is on Drew Gilbert, who don't need to, you know, is probably someone you'd like to keep. Well, and I wanted to ask you about that. I hate to interrupt, but Luno sure. was famous when he was here of pretty much announcing this guy was untouchable, that guy was untouchable. Yeah. And I'm thinking of two players. Obviously, Tucker was the right choice and Whitley mm-hmm. maybe not. Does Dana Brown go into this trade deadline thinking someone's automatically untouchable or does he look at the idea that you could win a World Series if you give up a Gilbert for, say, Shohei Otani? And not that it would yeah. be that, but as an example. Yeah. Well, I think the way to think about it, right, is that every player has a value and every player you want to get has a price. Uh-huh. And so, you know, hey, Drew Gilbert has a much greater value because he's a top 100 prospect and he's gotten in a year to double A. He hasn't done great at double A, but, you know, you have reason to think that he will sort of conquer that level. And he's also fighting major. many injuries, little mini injuries throughout yeah. that. So, yeah. So he's more valuable than most of, you know, you know, than most of the rentals on the market. Tigers have a couple guys who I think could be intriguing, Michael Lorenzen and Eduardo Rodriguez. But don't afraid Drew Gilbert for those guys. They're just going to be here for a year. They're just going to be here for a couple months. Right. Uh, you can trade guys further down in the system for somebody like that. So, yeah, if you want to go for someone big, but here's the thing about someone big, like, I see the name from Astros fans, Dylan Cease a lot. And I've seen Luis Robert as well, because hey, you get an extra outfielder. Uh, you know, you solve your center fielder problem. You, you you put a center fielder in, you solve your left field problem. But anyway, uh, the problem with both of those guys, right, is the White Sox, they may not be having a good season, may be out of it, but they're like, we're in a terrible division and we have some high-level talent. We can win this next year if we make the right moves in the off season for the first time in several off season, they're not really incentivized to trade those guys unless they get a package that blows them away. Sure. The Astros can't really blow them away. Particularly with sort of young guys, or if they do, it would be like, Hey, Jeremy Payne would be very valuable around the league, but you know, I don't see the Astros trading, you know, one of their young stars for particularly sort of a couple of years as pitcher. So, you know, they're limited in their options, particularly when it comes to be, to sort of big moves. So it is, to me, the parallel to this is 2021. They needed to get bullpen arms in 2021. Yeah. The difference is they they have to, I'm doing air quotes here for our listeners because, you know, that's real helpful on a podcast, but um, they have to, okay. They don't, life will go on, right? There's nothing, you know, imperative, but they have a clear need. They need to do it. It's just harder to do. So it's a bigger dilemma for Dana Brown this year, how to sort of solve this Ruby's cube than it was for uh, James Click in 2021, where I just need to find some relievers. And, you know, he got very creative, right? And traded a center fielder for one of them and a really promising catcher. But that part's worked out. He, you know, got a... Got a setup man. Got a couple setup men who were helpful in the playoffs in uh, in Kendall Graveman and Yimmy Garcia, and we regret one of those deals and don't regret the other. Um, so it's a tougher thing, but it's mostly you should be able to figure this out. Yeah, um, even if there's a you know, even if everyone else is going after stuff. Yeah, it seems like you can figure it out. Um, one of the things that will be interesting to watch Dana Brown work is I felt like Luno and Click were really good about finding diamonds in the rough for players that were overlooked that ended up maybe playing a little above their ceiling. So we'll see. 
Um, you know, and the other thing too for Astros fans, yeah, the the um where the Astros lack in farm system, they make up for in money. And so there's opportunities for the Astros getting the guy they want if they also agree to take on a salary for someone. I mean, there's there's many ways to figure this out. And I yeah. still think we should feel confident knowing that again, we have Altuve and Jordan coming back. That offense yeah. looks a lot better, but also um potentially being one or two mid-level players away from being right back up front and uh and and you know if only the the Tampa Bay Rays could 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 close a game down we would be talking a little differently yeah i mean the the rangers have uh, not lost a game since the all-star break which uh won't last um but um doesn't mean I wasn't saying thing in my living room when i saw that wild pitch uh, yesterday yeah. i was also watching the Braves the Rays broadcast so uh they could I could tell what they wanted to say uh, <laughs> when that happened uh, rather than uh, what they actually could say via FCC. Uh, so before we violate FCC regulations, which, well, do not apply to the Internet, but still um, do that, or before James's uh, uh, hotel Internet proves to be hotel Internet. That's right. Um, if, if, if Andy's is contagious. Yeah. So good news for the Astros this week. They play Two teams that aren't very good, Colorado and Oakland. So a chance to win some ball games, hopefully. And hopefully the Rangers won't win them all and make up some ground on the Rangers. And certainly for the hitters, a chance to hit in thin air. And who doesn't like that? And I know lots of Astros. I know several Astros fans who are going to uh, Colorado. It's always a big Astros crowd there. So we'll be a, uh, you know, we'll be more orange than purple possibly in the stands tonight. Yeah, beautiful ballpark way to get out of this Texas heat. I think, um, you know, before I I sign off, I just, to me, I still feel su supremely confident in the Astros' ability to catch the Rangers. The fact is, is they played each other head, head, uh, seven times heads up, and the Astros have won four of them. Um, and I, I think there's zero reason to panic about any of this because it's still, like as you pointed out, they are a very good baseball team. Very good baseball team with lots of players. And the thought I'll leave everyone on today, if the season ended today, one, it'd be a big surprise to everybody. And two, the Astros would be in the playoffs. So with everything that's gone wrong, they'd still be in the playoffs today. But a lot more can go right the rest of the season. Fingers crossed. Go Strohs. Go Strohs.